This is the 99 Black Podcast. Welcome to the 99 Black Podcast. My name is Wes, and I'm here with Connor. Hey, guys. What's up, Connor? How you doing, buddy? I'm doing good, man. Just ready to knock this uh, podcast out. Super excited about this episode. Heck yeah. So we are the black sheep of culture, and uh, that's because we believe that the, that the Bible is true. Absolutely. And we follow Jesus, and nothing in the world seems to make you more of a black sheep in culture than doing those two things. Am I right? Absolutely. So, uh, I wanted to ask you, I know you have a sibling. Yep. Are you familiar with sibling rivalry? Any experience having a sibling rivalry? With My whole childhood <laughs> has been a sibling rivalry. <laughs> Can you think, I know I didn't really tell you about it. Any specific instances that you have in mind? Um, I mean, I have a sister, so it's a little bit different. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, just typical, like, who's better at this, who's better at that. Um, I don't really have one specific childhood memory um do you uh well my brothers are a good bit older yeah. than me um eight and ten years older so this they would say there is no rivalry at all except for the fact that i was the favorite because oh i've heard um that. yeah like i come along eight years later and i'm getting toys but they're older than me. they're like teenagers i'm just like a little kid of course i'm getting toys for christmas you're while you're getting baby. you're getting jeans because so yeah. that, that's what you get when you're a teenager <laughs> but uh one funny story uh, that I have that is going to kind of tie into the sibling rivalry theme that we're going to have for a portion of this story today is um, one time I was I was getting wrestled, you know, with my brother Curtis. Yeah. And um, he's a middle child. And you know how middle children are. Curtis, I hope you're listening to this. Oh, you yes. know how middle children are. Anyways, um, he was kind of uh, relatively kind of bad compared to us. You know, it just show out or whatever. And um, uh, he was wrestling one day, and I told on him. And so the story I told on him was this. We went to Walmart. This is before, honestly, this is before Walmart was as big as it is today because I was just a little kid. Um, and we went to Walmart, and while we were, like, walking through the parking lot, I heard him say a bad word. Mm. I heard him say a curse word, and I was, you know, I held it back into my memory. And... uh. I didn't say anything about it. I used to love spending time with my brother. He's my big brother. He's got a car. I'm just like uh, seven years old, and he's like 16 or 17 or whatever. And, you know, spending time with him was really fun. But I held back this little note because when you said a cuss word in our family, it was huge, right? So later in that day, he's like wrestling me, beating me up, you know, putting me like in a chokehold or whatever. I'm like, Mom! When we were at the Walmart, Curtis said the blank word. And he's like, you know what? You're never riding in my truck again. Now, my brother mm. had, uh, it was like a 90s model uh, Chevrolet Blazer, low rider. I thought it was just so cool. You know, I had speakers in. I just thought it was so cool. If he'd pick me up from school, I thought it was like the coolest thing in the world, right? So I was devastated. And uh, that lasted for a long time. He never, he did not let me ride. Hey, oh, him. he held to it. Yeah, he held to it until one day he was like, you know what? Uh, I'll let you ride with me if you go inside and say a cuss word to mom. Mm. And so this sibling trickery, and uh, I was like, okay. So I went inside, and my next-door neighbor, I called him Papa up. He was like a granddad to me. 
And um, he used to say, like, little four-letter words all the time working in his garden. So I was like, Mom, uh, Pop Epp said this word. And she's like, Wesley, you can't say words like that. And I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> sorry. And yeah. uh, so I went back out to Curtis. I'm like, hey, I said it. He's like, oh, I changed my mind. Oh, <laughs> no. <laughs> so uh, I had little things like that with my siblings. Nothing of major extent, yeah. nothing of historical extent i have this uh crazy story about queen elizabeth and uh you know we're american so we don't know that much about the queens and kings of history but henry the eighth uh spent his entire adult life and six marriages so he was a rambler trying to produce male heirs okay and so when he died in 1547 he was 55 years old his only legitimate son edward whose mother uh hen was mother henry's third wife was his Edward's mother, right? Yeah. Jane Seymour. Uh, he became Edward the Fourth. Edward died because he had tuberculosis six years into his rule, and because Henry had no male heirs or brothers, the line of succession continued through his daughters. His oldest daughter was Mary Tudor, whose mother was Henry's first wife. Mary had uh, Mary was a devout Roman Catholic, which was a problem as Henry had formally severed relations with Rome and established the Church of England in 1534. Mary succeeded Edward and became Mary I. So meanwhile, Henry's second oldest daughter was Elizabeth, and by his second wife, Henry's marriage to Mary's mom had been legally annulled. So Elizabeth arguably had a stronger claim to the throne than Mary. She also represented a powerful Protestant, hey, that's us, rival <laughs> to Mary's interest. And so while the two supposedly got along as children after the demise of their rivaling mothers, so their mothers were rivals, mm -hmm. and then they are consequently rivals as well, they became increasingly aware of their opposing religions and supporters. Shortly after Mary's coronation, she had Parliament declare the marriage between her mother and King Henry valid once again. So she's like, yeah. it was an old, so I'm bringing it back. And in 1554, among many Protestant plots against Mary... The queen accused her half-sister of trying to overthrow the government, her own, oh, her own wow. sister, and Mary nearly executed Elizabeth at the Tower of London before deciding to imprison her for a year at Woodstock Palace. And by 1558, Mary dies without an heir, and then Elizabeth became Queen Elizabeth I. That's wild. So I never knew that. <laughs> so she's like, I'm going to lock you up, um, and... Uh, a lot of a lot of tension happens when one person's trying to get um, authority over another. We see this in siblings, you know, trying to prove who you are. Um, we saw this in Jacob and Esau last week. So we had the story of Jacob and Esau in Genesis, and we're we're coming to a close in a lot of the Genesis stories here because we got some really good stuff on the horizon here. And uh, we talked about Jacob and Esau, and they they thank the Lord they had. A reconciliation, and we said that that's what Christ desires of all humanity, yeah. that we will reconcile to each other, mm -hmm. um, but that we will reconcile to him. So there's this another story that follows the story of Jacob and Esau. That's where we're going to get started today. Yeah. And it's the story in Genesis uh, of Jacob's wives and their rivalry. So uh, around chapter 29 in Genesis, uh, there's Jacob. So we said Jacob and Esau. Yep. So Esau goes his own way because Jacob's Jacob is fleed. 
uh, Esau at, at this time because he doesn't want to get killed. This is before they reconcile. And uh, Jacob is out, and he's going to go get a wife. And the way that wives work, you know how the wives work? You pretty much just found somebody in your family, right? Yeah, basically. So that's what he did. He was sent by his mom to go find this place. And there's his cousins. He's like, oh, that's perfect. And so he sees Rachel, and um, he's like, dang. Oh, man. Love at first sight. Yeah, man. Rachel, she's the one. Oh, yeah. Uh, so Jacob is all about some Rachel. and um, Like infatuated with her. I mean, oh, yeah. He loved her. So Jacob meets with Rachel's dad, his uncle. Yep. His uncle's name is Laban. And Laban's like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, this is a great idea. Oh, yeah. Um, but Jacob wasn't only sneaky one. Remember we said that Jacob's name means, like, yeah, yeah, it was trickster? Trickster, deceitful, um, like, heel grabber. So, like, he, he's, he was wanting Esau's uh, birthright, and we saw that play out. But um, you saw in our previous episode that he was very deceitful. He would use half a truth, or he would take an opportunity that's, you know, seize the moment for his benefit. Yeah. It's a lot like how the devil does have <laughs> Yeah. Um, and so Laban has more than one daughter. Rachel's not his daughter. Rachel's not the firstborn nope. either. And so that's big. We've already talked about how significance there is with the firstborn. And he's like, you know, I really want him to marry Leah. Yeah. L- the story. <laughs> well, I feel bad for Leah. So, like, her description, man. Her description is like, <laughs> she's like got dull eyes. Like, yeah. There's, uh, it keeps saying that there was uh, no sparkle in her eye, but yeah. Rachel had a beautiful figure and a lovely face, and I'm like, dang. He's oh. like, Rachel is very attractive. She is a dime piece, and Leah, not so much. <laughs> Some people interpret this to say that, like, her eyes were the only pretty thing about her. I don't, I mean, most translation I, I see kind of paint, like, just like she was average, maybe. Yeah. She was just of average appearance, Uh at Soft least, eyes was something that at I least in too. Jacob in Jacob's view. Yeah. You know, we're not claiming what she looked like. We don't know. This is just Jacob's view of how oh, yeah. this young lady at the time. But he made it clear that Rachel was oh, yeah. the ten out of ten. So he makes a deal. He's like, Laban, I will work for you for seven years to marry Rachel. That's a lot of time. Seven uh, years. Seven years. Like he did he Most volu- of you ain't had a job for seven years. You ain't lying. And and then he volunteered it. Like he was like I, like, first thing I was mad, he did start with, like, maybe one, and then they negotiated, like, on seven. It was like, I will do seven years. He was ready to This have boy her. is committed. Oh, yeah. He's like, I'm going to work. I'll yeah. work. I will work for you for seven years. So, they throw this big feast, right? This is a wedding feast. This would be a tradition. And guess, we still do things like this. Mm-hmm. And I've, this is not on topic, but I've heard a lot of debate about, like, what is a wedding? What is a marriage? Different things mm-hmm. like that. But all throughout history, there is some type of ceremony p- performed before God yeah. that signifies that you're married, right? Absolutely. And so um, they do this big feast, but then at night, when it's time to consummate the marriage, Laban does a switcheroo. Switcheroo, baby. He said he tells Leah, he's like, get in there. You got to get in there. It's so crazy, though, <laughs> to think about. He's like, get in there. So it's dark. You know, yeah. they, didn't, they didn't have electricity. They didn't have a lamp. Yeah. So um, the lights were dark, and, you know, she might have had a veil over her face. Probably. And uh, went in there and consummated the marriage. Yeah, sealed um, the deal. And sealed the deal. And so 
Jacob wakes up the next morning and he's like, ah, oh, shoot. Yeah, he's like, like, what What, what have, have you done? done? <laughs> what have you done to me? Yeah. This is terrible. And uh, so he's now officially married to Leah. And that's funny that the consummation, the, the intercourse, that is what seals the deal yeah. for marriage. Um, that's very contrary to cultural belief today. Oh, yeah. Um, so I wish that we still took it as seriously, and we should. Um, but anyways, so there's this issue where Jacob still wants Rachel, even though he's married to Leah. And it's, this is not a God-ordained move that he's about to make. But he's like, I work seven more years, and then I can marry Rachel too. Yeah. So, and he's going to do that. I think it's important to note that God's not condoning polygamy here. You get a lot of talk about polygamy in the yeah. Bible. You, you don't see anywhere here that this was God's idea. No. This was actions amongst people, and, you know, they were, I believe they had free will, and that they were, you know, taking things into their own hands, and... uh we still see it play out in the God's, uh, you know, God's plan. But um, this was all people doing this. Yeah. And so a uh, a competition is about to ensue, a baby-making competition. Yeah. But there's one problem. Rachel is barren. Rachel cannot have kids, so pretty hard to compete in this race. And so what you'll find is that Rachel and Leah are both envious of each other. Yeah. And this is where the rivalry, re- this is really at the core of rivalry, being envious of someone. Mm-hmm. You'll see that Rachel um, is envious of Leah because Leah can have children. Yeah, and Leah could have children. Uh, it said in verse 31 of this chapter that when the Lord saw that Leah was unloved, he enabled her to have children, but Rachel could not conceive. So we obviously had already described that. David was infatuated. Like, I'm just consumed by Rachel. Loved her beyond anything. And it's kind of because this polygamous marriage that they had, like, because of Laban tricking him and everything like that, it's kind of unfair to Leah. Like, she got the short end of the stick. Like, David loves Rachel more, so to speak. And, like, she, but she, you know, she's going to be able to conceive children. And and, uh, you see this um, play out. To God's plan again later on uh, in the chapters, but I just thought it like God had saw that, and she even commented on it and said, "The Lord has noticed my misery, misery, and now my husband will love me." So she's like, "Oh, mm-hmm. because of this, now that I can, I can have children, he'll turn to me." So that's funny because that sounds like something I've heard before that I've specifically heard before in this idea of, "Oh, if we get married, he'll be different." Uh, if we have children, things will get better. Oh, yeah. Like, uh, you, you don't want to base your marriage off of that type of premise that it'll get better once yeah. we're married. This will get better once we it's have very children. Dangerous. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that is a bad idea. And so Rachel's envious of Leah because of the children. But see, um, Leah is envious of Rachel because of Jacob's love for Rachel. Yep. So they're both envious of each other. In uh, chapter 30, I think it's verse 1, um, uh, Rachel says, give me children or I'll die. She's saying this to uh, Jacob. Yeah. Like he can like he can do something <laughs> about it. He's like, give me children or I'm going to die. Yeah. Um, and Jacob gets pretty mad because he can't control that. He's like, am I God? He's quick with it. He's like, am I God? Like, yeah. what do you want me to do about it? Uh, what's interesting about this, and um, she actually does die later. Yeah. 
he yeah. dies having a child. Yeah, that is, uh, I never thought about it that way when she stated that. I thought it was being, um, well, I mean, it was some dr- drama with it, um, yeah. but that is crazy how it played out like that. Yeah, um, she does die, which is which is sad for her, but she kind of she kind of called it. But this is what's crazy. So then you see Jacob with two wives, a lot of drama that comes out of that. Who else does that sound like? Sounds like the sister wives on TLC. <laughs> yeah, that's it. But you see Abraham, who slept with I was you know she had Sarah, yeah, who was his yeah. wife. But then she, he sleeps with a servant. But he now he has two women that are causing chaos in his in his world. Right here, you see Rachel says, you know, so when Jacob says, "Am I God?" Like he's the one that's made this happen, right? Like he's the one that made it to where you can't have children. She says, then take my maid and sleep with her and she'll bear children for me. Mm-hmm. It's crazy how history sort of repeats itself and, and you're seeing these families fall into the same habits over and over again. You would think that they would learn from the grandparents like, oh, I know this story. This ha- like <laughs> this is what came of it. And she's it's just crazy how like people will try to anything to take it into their own accord. It's a human nature and so thing. that's exactly what Rachel does. Yeah. She offers a servant to fulfill her duty. And she, honestly, she looks at this as this servant girl has children. Now I'm a mom. Yep. Um, uh, which is kind of what Sarah did. Uh, but then is disappointed because, truthfully, she didn't have the child. So she's very, she's still very upset. Yeah. Um, meanwhile, Leah has been popping out babies like crazy <laughs> yeah and she has a few stops for a while has some more god grant like it's this kind of back and forth of where she stops she prays god please leah is way more dependent upon god yes for the for the promises than rachel is um i see that through the scripture but then what's crazy is that when she realized she wasn't getting pregnant anymore what does she do she take she goes hey why don't you sleep with my servant mm-hmm. and then like yeah They'll she, do. She, yeah, she does the same thing. Crazy. Like I don't. I just. It was crazy how these two will do anything to try to to win the um, love and affection, and also I guess God's favors. From what I was getting at is that because um, they always say like God has you know God has heard me, God has blessed me, and God. But like they're causing this um, this chaos. They're they're making this chaos. Now they have been blessed, and yes, like mm-hmm. you know they're pregnant. Um, but like it's just crazy how. Instead of going back and being faithful, having faith in God that He would He would continue to provide, they they immediately just go, oh well, let's just I'll take it in my own hands and make it happen. So it was something that was wild. Yeah. So the the competition continues, and what's funny, somewhere in one of these verses, like Leah's like, aha, or uh, Rachel's like, aha, I got you because you've had four, but I've had two, but really her servant has had two. Oh, yeah, yeah. And so Leah has four, but to- in total, Leah will have six. Yeah. Uh, Zilpa, which is I think is her servant girl, will have two. Bilha, which I think is Rachel's servant girl, I hope I don't yes. have the two mixed up, will have two. And then Rachel has one, mm-hmm. and we're about to get to that in just a minute. And uh, his name is Joseph, and then she'll have another one later, okay? So she has one named Joseph. And after Joseph is born, um, Jacob is ready to get out of there. So this is uh, chapter 30, verse 25. Yep. And it says, Soon after Rachel had given birth to Joseph, Jacob said to Laban, Please release me so I can go to my own country. Jacob wants to leave, 
but he has to make a deal with Laban to get out of there. Um, and so the deal that he makes is in uh, chapter 30, verses 31 and 32. Let me pull that up here, and I'm going to read it. Uh, what wages do you want, Laban asked again. Again, this is the father-in-law slash uncle. Jacob replied, don't give me anything. Just do this one thing, and I'll continue to tend and watch over your flocks. Let me inspect your flocks today and remove all the sheep and goats that are speckled or spotted, along with all the black sheep. Give me these as my wages. All right, so this is the deal that he's making. And so what's going to happen is Laban agrees to this deal. So Jacob's ready to get out of there because he's been tricked by Laban a few times. He's been forced to marry people he didn't want to marry, but he has had a bunch of children, which kind of falls in line with the promise that God gave Abraham and his descendants. Like the promises of God are still being fulfilled Mm -hmm. through people that are not willingly fulfilling them and how that works. I don't know, but it's pretty, it's pretty sovereign of God. It it points to God's foreknowledge and ability um, to uh, manage his creation. Yeah. Um, so in verse 35, though, we see that Laban takes away these speckled uh, and black and, sh- and sheep. And so Jacob does something uh, really weird where he takes these like leaves or branches of certain colors and like the ones that have stripes on them, speckled, and he lays them in front of the sheep and they, ma- and they come out more speckled sheep. So uh, this is not a scientific thing. This was God at work. And we see oh, that yeah. in chapter 31 where... He after all after the story that we're going to reference here for a minute is that uh, an angel came to Jacob in a dream mm-hmm. says hey do this with your sheep and they're going to multiply all the livestock which in that day livestock are money very, very I mean wealthy. like it's yeah, that's it's how you become wealthy the more livestock you have yeah it's your currency and so um, even though Laban tries to take away uh, what he has. Um, it doesn't really work out. And so we wanted to kind of sit in this passage for a minute because it's an interesting story. Yeah. Um, verse 27, before before uh, the whole ordeal where he makes the agreement to take the sheep, um, Laban acknowledges who uh, God is because of Jacob. Verse 27, please listen to me, Laban replied. He's, he's trying to get him to stay because yeah. Jacob's trying to get out of there. He says, I've become wealthy, uh, I've become wealthy for... The Lord has blessed me because of you. Yeah. Tell me how much I owe you, whatever it is, I'll pay it. So um, so there's going to be this this idea that uh, that Jacob is going to propose that he kind of already knows. And so I know you have some some ideas that had ran through your head as you were reading this. Uh, yeah. what, what what popped in your mind when you're reading about the, uh, the speckled and black sheep and kind of what was going on with Laban and Jacob? Well, obviously, our podcast is the black sheep. And so, I don't know, man. When I was reading this, um, from 27 to, let's see, 27 to 30, I'm seeing this this conversation. And so, you know, Laban's like, please listen to me, for I be have, have become wealthy, for the Lord has blessed me because of you. And then at 29, you see Jacob saying, um, or it's, yeah, it's you've seen how hard I've worked for you. And how your flocks and herds have grown under my care. You had little indeed, um, you had little indeed before I came, but your wealth has increased enormously. The Lord has blessed you through everything I've done. And so, you know, 
then it goes down and he's like, well, what wages would you want? And we're, we're seeing the black sheep in this, in these speckled sheep. And so I did a little research, side research and, um, the sheep of that day were typically going to be off white, like a grayish color. So solid, solid color, um, pretty consistent. And mm-hmm. so when you saw black sheep or speckled sheep or anything like that, it would be a rare thing to, to see. Right. Yeah, and one thing I had read is that if they're multicolored, that means the wool's multicolored. That means like blankets, clothing, mm-hmm. like it's already multicolored. So uh, to make some type of pattern, you have all these different. You have more ability to use the wool. Yeah, because it's different colored. Yeah. So it's even more useful that it's multicolored because yeah. every because if everything comes in white or gray, but then I come up with you with this cool design, like yeah. and it's already on the wool, like you know, it makes yeah. it a lot easier to. To come up with a design. And so I kind of took it as like, I mean, and this is just me looking at it, but I see Laban's probably had this flock for a while. And all of a sudden Jacob comes into his life and, you know, his flock is changing, right? And and, and you're seeing diversity through this flock and, and, and it comes to these black sheep, these speckled sheep. And so very rare, very valuable. And so as I was reading it, I'm seeing him go, hey, the Lord's blessed me because of you. And Jacob's like, yeah, the Lord has blessed me, blessed you because of me. Mm-hmm. Like, and what? now it's my turn, right? But he's like, the Lord has blessed you because of me. And so I'm like, man, like what? We, we call everybody like on this podcast, our our cat, our, our viewers, we, we want y'all to be black sheep of the culture, right? Because right. we know how valuable and how important that is. Also, we know how rare that is to be a true black sheep of culture to stand out from it. And so I was like, man, like, what if we were the black sheep to the Labans of this world to where they would they would see such a change in us, such a uh, a difference in us, such a value in us that they would have to contribute it to God. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of how I perceived this. And I thought it was just an interesting thing. I loved how... Um, you know, black sheep, obviously we're the black sheep and podcast, you know, 99 black. Um, but also like, because it was such a rare thing, I feel like I, I see Laban's perceiving that God's blessed me. God's blessed me through you. And so, man, like it would just be super impactful if our viewers were to submit to God's authority, be changed by the Holy spirit. And then the Laban's of this world, cause Laban believed in idols. We see this in later mm-hmm. in the chapters, um, and he, he, he would refer to God, not as Yahweh. He would refer to it as like the God of Abraham, the God of your, your, father, your, your God, your God. Um, yeah. he's, and you see later, um, uh, he's attached to these idols. Like these are his gods. Like, but he's still in this moment is able to say like, this is God. This is not, I can't, I cannot deny I that can't ignore it. God's doing something through you. Yeah. And so I, I think that would, if you could be a black sheep starting tomorrow, it would probably, people would look and be like, man, that's God. And what what happens with Jacob is he takes these sheep, right? And Laban doesn't have that many black sheep um, because they are rare. And so that's why this story is significant. So at this point, Laban can't see what God's going to do with the black sheep in this story. So, But he will mm-hmm. because uh, he'll start feeding well, so he'll, first he'll take away the sheep that he has, and he gives them to his sons. Yeah, try and to put Jacob like, in a box. So Jacob's like, I'll take whatever speckled and black sheep you have. And he's like, 
oh, well, I don't have that many because I yeah. gave them all away. Yeah. And so from that, he would essentially, Jacob, from my understanding, would have to start over again. Yeah, and it would start, be very difficult. Start from scratch. And, but God makes a way because this was all God's plan to begin mm-hmm. with. A lot of time we get in the way when we're trying to do stuff. But this was God's plan, and he said, go do this. So Jacob followed through, and he did this. And he followed through, and then more black sheep were produced. And that makes me think, mm-hmm. like, if we follow through with what God has called us to do, it will produce more black sheep of culture. Amen. If we keep doing what God has called us to do, first, that's understanding who God is and then living it, like doing it, not just be, not just knowing about it, mm. um, not just reading the verse of the day once a week, but not just praying when you pray over your food, seeking the things of God desiring to be around the people of God, desiring to go worship God, like shifting your focus from your phone, from your Snapchat to the things of God Mm -hmm. um, and preparing your heart to do that. And when you do that, what will God produce because of that obedience? Mm -hmm. Will he produce a bunch more black sheep because you did what you were supposed to do? Yeah. And so we see that. Jacob does what he's supposed to do supernaturally, a bunch of speckled and black sheep are popping up all over the place. Yeah. And um, not only that, then he would have the really strong ones, and he would have them mate, and just he just had a ginormous flock of sheep that were black and speckled. And this upsets Laban. <laughs> Laban's not happy. He's not happy because um, after this happens, uh, Jacob is going to leave. So he tells uh, Rachel and Leah, he's like, your dad has been trying to screw me over this whole time. It's and they're terrible. Like, and they're like, yeah, you're right. He's, we see that, and they agree with him. So they decide to leave, but Laban uh, chases them because he's ticked, right? Yeah. And so he feels not only like Jacob stole from him, but he also wants some items back. Mm, so yeah. he's missing some idols, and he wants to know where they are. And we see through the passage that um, Jacob, Jacob calls like a curse down He's like, if I don't have your idols, I don't want your idols, and yeah. whoever has them, whatever, they can, I don't know, does he say they can go die? Uh, I have to find that passage. I don't remember now. But he says, let me see. Jacob became very angry, and he challenged Laban, what's my crime? What have I done wrong? Uh, you have rummaged through everything. Um, so he, you know, they don't have a great relationship, and... Um, so, you know, it gets pretty heated. Mm-hmm. He says, I've slaved in your house and all this different stuff. And so what we know uh, when you read through Genesis is that Rachel was hiding the idols. Now, why, why did she have them? Um, so from what I gathered with that, because um, in, in previous verses it says household idols. So... To have like household idols were usually either going to be um, like a family inheritance. So this was like passed down um, through generations uh, mm-hmm. as to what customs would um, of that time would lead us to believe. Or it could be just his household idols. I don't know 100% what these gods were. Yeah. I'm very passionate about that kind of stuff. But th- there's two sides to it. Either it was an inheritance and it was something that was very valuable to him because it came from previous family. And so he wanted that. Or two, he felt like if that's his faith and trust in those things, um, 
you know, it it would it would make him vulnerable. So like he was he, whether that, those two play out, I don't know which one would be the leading cause of him to be so um so determined to retrieve these back. But um I don't know why Rachel because Rachel's the one that ultimately took it. Mm-hmm. I don't know why Rachel took him. I I don't know if it's because she had something with her family, you know, if it was a family inheritance that could lead to that. Um, or she might have wanted to get back at her dad and like be like, well, did she want to get back at him? Did did she did she value the idols herself? Yeah. So there, and um, Jacob was Jacob blinded by the fact that she was so attractive that he was willing to sacrifice what she believed in. Yeah, you know, I I see that in dating and marriages that I will be with somebody, uh, and I'll just hope that our uh, beliefs align. But let yeah. me tell you, if you are a believer and you are with an unbeliever, you're going to be unequally, you're, you're going to be both pulling in different directions yeah. and it's going to cause so much pain yeah. in your marriage and, and cause it to likely end. And you can't go in with this idea that they believe one thing, I believe another, and that's going to that's gonna work out. Yeah. And you cannot be blinded by, I just like spending time with this person. Oh, I just think they're really attractive. Uh, we would make cute babies, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> different things yeah. like that, but not pay attention to the fact that this person loves worshiping idols. Mm. This person doesn't worship my God. This person doesn't value the things that I value. We don't, the core things that are important, yeah, we don't value the same thing, but we're going to go with all superficial level yeah. things and and you know that's one possibility with yeah. the text doesn't tell us that it doesn't tell us that it's just from what i've gathered context clues and things like that um one thing i that made it she crisp- might just like wanted to she might want to diss her dad and be <laughs> yeah. like screw that guy one thing that was crystal clear to me though is that we see again whether what it reasons or intentions because of her justifiable like her trying to justify it or maybe she just wanted to do it out of malicious t- I don't know. It almost destroyed a family because Laban's pissed. Like he's coming. Yeah. He's coming. He's mad, mm-hmm. boy. And so he is willing he's to. He's traveling like, I think he said like three day travel or whatever. Yeah, he was ready. He, so like, it put, like I'm coming for you. <laughs> it put her family in danger because mm-hmm. of her own intentions on what she wanted to do with them or what reason she wanted to do them. So that was something that we saw previous chapters intentions um playing out and causing this disaster that god would have provided you know like god would have his sovereignty would play out and they would have been blessed and great mm-hmm. like she, maybe she thought these idols would bring the same or i don't know fortune with laban there's so many different things but the one thing that was crystal clear and i can put my foot down on is that her intentions um caused chaos and put that family in danger and she was trying to take things into her own hands is what yeah. I could say about that. So she was pretty on the outside, but was she pretty on the inside? Mm, that's the question. And that's something you have to judge for yourself with the people that you put yourself in contact <laughs> yeah, with. Seriously. All right, so in verse 24, we see this uh, strange story of chapter 32, and we're going to uh, kind of discuss this for a minute. There's lots of unknowns about this passage, but a man wrestles with Jacob. Mm. We don't know what's going on here, and I'm just going to read it. In verse 24, 32, chapter 32, or actually it starts with uh, verse 22. It says, During the night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two servants, and his 11 sons and crossed the Jabbok River with them. After taking them to the other side, he sent all the possession, sent over all the possessions. This left Jacob all alone in the camp. And a man came and wrestled with him until dawn began to break. When the man saw that he would not win, 
the match, he touched Jacob's hip and wrenched it out of its socket. Then the man said, let me go for the dawn is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. What is your name? The man asked. He said, replied Jacob. And then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob. Uh, from now on, you will be called Israel because you have fought with God and with men and have won. Any thoughts on this passage? I know it's it's kind of strange. So it says that he interacted with a man, but like he's seen the face of God. Yeah. It's uh, not super clear on who this guy is. So, all right. If I wanted to break this down, it's not just a man, right? I, I and, and the reason I would say that is because of Jacob's, now Israel, his expression is, I've seen God face to face, yet my life has been spared. Um, also, we see that, like, he said, I've seen God face to face, but so if we really start breaking this down from the top to bottom. Does that seeing, mean, like, I almost died? Yeah, and like, because, like, well, uh, if I go from whatever I've learned in Scripture, anybody who, no one got to see God face to face. That right. wasn't what just happened. You would be struck yeah, dead. Yeah, was it like, like just an expression to kind yeah. of so like, voice his feelings? So then you take into consideration that it was in t- when dawn breaks, right? So at night, um, so he couldn't really make out who it was, right? right. The other thing was is that um, the the the... Jacob's hench, a hip wrenched out of socket. Jacob, if we look at previous chapters, he, like we said, he was a deceitful kind of sneaky guy. Um, he all, even when he's trying to make a, um, like, you know, an, a, a peace treaty with his brother, he sends people out like for gifts, but he does it also in the fact that like, well, if my brother decides to attack these people, like maybe, I, we can get away. Mm-hmm. So like, I'm trying to make up, for, I'm trying to make things right with my brother, but yeah. I'm also, so you see him trying to do it for his own benefit. So he was probably also like a dirty fighter. And it, so like who would know to immediately pop his hip out of socket, kind of like disable him mm-hmm. and um, to have the power to do that immediately. You know what I mean? There's yeah. some things like that. And then also the one thing that really, really came out was that, um, he asked for a blessing. He's like, I'm not letting go until you bless me. I would I don't think anybody would ask a man, um, to bless them. Right. Um, so I, like when he says, you know, I like, and just any ordinary man, some random stranger, you know, I know he had asked for uh, Jacob or Isaac's blessing in previous chapter, but I'm talking about like just some random stranger coming yeah. at night. He says, I'm not letting go until you bless me. And he says, what is your name? The man asked. And he said, Jacob. He goes, no, your name's no longer uh, going to be Jacob. Uh, from now on, you'll be called Israel. And so you're seeing this person basically getting, you're seeing who I believe God saying, like, who, like, look at yourself truly. Who are you for real? And when he says that, he says, you know, you're now, now your name's Israel. So, like, once Jacob saw himself for who he truly was, right, then God changes his identity and says, okay, now you're Israel, right? Um, and then it plays out to, like, why would you choose the name Israel? That means God fights. So there's, like, a lot of these context clues mm-hmm. from the scripture. Um, from there's how, also a lot that we don't see. There's, a there's lot also that a lot that's not explained. I mean, is Jacob telling a story of, like, a, the, was it a dream? Was, it, was yeah. he sleepwalking? And then God somehow wrenched his... Yeah. Uh, help out of socket through like 
dream fight. Like, I don't know. It yeah. could, like, it could be anything because we don't have enough context to the story. We just know the story that somehow he faced God wasn't an angel. Was it a, what we call yeah. a Christophany? Was it somehow Christ appearing in the Old yeah. Testament? Or, like, we just don't, we don't know. We're, it's all speculation. Yeah, yeah. Like, because it could um, also, when it says man, it could be uh, Jesus, a God in the form of man, which would be Jesus. So, the, the clues that I got just from the scripture is in favor of, um, you know, what the title led me to believe God, Jacob wrestles God. I've also heard other theories from that, but I, I do know the significance and the fact that this is an acknowledgement of Jacob finally seeing himself for who he truly is. Right. And then is, is given a new identity. Right. And it plays out to God's sovereign plan because Israel, I mean, the 12 tribes come of this, you know? So, yeah. That's yeah, and I think out. that's the key point uh, to point out that um, the nation of Israel will really respond to this mm-hmm. um, because the 12 tribes of Israel are, the, to my understanding, are the, all the Jewish people that outcome from the, the 12 tribes of Israel. And these are literally the 12 descendants of Israel, formerly known as Jacob, right? Yeah. So um, in chapter 35... Um, it's uh, referenced as, uh, uh, what I was going to say is the 12 tribes of Israel, but chapter 35, Rachel has her last baby. That's the 12th yes. son. So Rachel has a son named Benjamin, mm-hmm. and she dies during childbirth. And now Jacob has 12 sons, six from Leah, two from Rachel, two from the other two servants apiece. Yes. So that makes 12. So there's the 12 sons of Jacob, the 12 tribes of Israel, and one of the sons' name is Judah. Yep. And if you go to Revelation 5, uh, chapter 5, verse 5, I got my giant uh, study Bible up here. I wanted to read Revelation 5. Um, Revelation chapter 5, verse 5. It says, And one of the elders said to me, Weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. Yep. So Revelation is saying that this uh, coming king, coming Messiah, mm-hmm. is the tribe of Judah, the lion of Judah, yep. and from the throne of David. Yep. So this lineage stuff that we've been talking about is, is key. Yep. It's really important because it points to uh, the revelation of who the Messiah will be. Mm-hmm that through the lineage of these families we've been talking about, the lineage will come to Jacob, then to Judah, mm-hmm. and then it'll keep... And then it will go, the the main people would be David. Right. And then you got Solomon. Mm-hmm. And then trickle on down, Jesus. Yeah. I, I mean, that's amazing. And, and so you got Mary and Joseph. Yep. And no matter which way you look at it, they're both connected to the line of Judah. Mm-hmm. Um, you even saw somewhere that the Apostle Paul might be from the line of Benjamin. This is just like a side note. Yeah, um, so his name being Saul before Paul, typically how uh, customs would play out, um, that there was a King Saul in, in the lineage of mm-hmm. Benjamin. And so um, just context clues again, trying to see what uh, – you know, things were coming out. And, and Paul really didn't talk about his family that much. No, he so. didn't talk about it. And, you know, we're just, you're just browsing all this linea- yeah. uh, genealogy, genealogy, lineage stuff and coming across some some things that say that yeah. what apostles might have been from what tribes. Just yeah. found so it we're, interesting. We're seeing Paul, who, if, if this is true, um, and playing out that 
uh, and he was also Jewish. That's the thing. He says, I'm a Pharisee, a Pharisee coming from generations of Pharisees. So he had to be Jewish. Um, so therefore we, we could see just how it plays out lineage of Benjamin, new Testament, Paul. Oh my gosh. Amazing. Right. And then I know for a fact, you got Levi, um, who was, uh, Judah's brother, right? That lineage comes down, Aaron, Moses, Eli, and then John the Baptist. John the Baptist is, you know, the cousin of Jesus Mm -hmm. who comes and paves the way for Jesus. Like he, he spent time in the wilderness. And so overall, what you're, what we're trying to say and what we're seeing is that through the mess of these people, God's sovereignty still plays out and it was all going to lead up to the birth of the, of Jesus Mm -hmm. and the Virgin Mary. Yeah. Who would be the savior of, of, you know, and take the punishment that we deserve. Yeah. And that's what we've been building to this whole time is because in our next episode, we're going to dive more into who is Jesus. Yes. And because uh, to understand who Jesus is, you had to understand. I always tell people if you're going to read, if you're going to start out reading the Bible, I like to start with Genesis. Then mm. I like to read, shoot, read all the Gospels. Then. Yeah. You know, where you go from there, it's up to you. Yeah, it's um, all going to make sense after but that. But it'll make more sense if you read Genesis with the Gospels because they are tied. Genesis was painting this picture of creation and God's sovereign plan all through creation, through thousands of years of people's families, all mapped out in a line. And then we have this Jacob has, through a mess, notice that Judah comes from Leah. Mm. Because remember we said that Leah was the one that was seemed to honor God more. Yes. Rachel was did not seem to be focused on God, but God continued to bless Leah when she came to him. She continued to be blessed by God and to have children, and Leah is the mother of Judah, mm-hmm. which is uh, Jesus is a descendant from. And so uh, we, we're kind of wrapping up where we've been in the Old Testament, and we're about to hit the New Testament, and it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, we're going to be talking about who Jesus is, and then we're going to be rolling through some of the Gospels and what it has to paint, and that's really what we're excited oh, yeah. to talk about. So if you would do us the hugest favor and go on wherever you listen to podcasts and type us up a review, don't just leave us a, like a five-star, but like type something really good so people that uh, are looking for a new podcast, they can see kind of what you described and some things you liked about it. Also, hit us up on Instagram. We're trying to grow our following. And uh, you can also communicate to us through that. And any questions that you have, shoot us a message. We would love to uh, answer those questions for you. And we're really excited uh, in the next episode to talk about who is Jesus and what the Gospels say. So until next time, this is the 99 Black. We'll, We'll see you in the next episode.